You're listening to the 414 Creative Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Curtis. And on the show, we do a deep dive with entrepreneurs on all things business, faith, and how to build a lasting legacy. Thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining the 414 Creative Legacy Podcast. I'm super excited to have a really good friend of mine, Stephen Galt, on, on this today's episode. I really appreciate your time and tuning in today uh, without even just spending any more time in this. I want to jump into it. Stephen, thank you so much for being here. Uh, so excited to connect with you and uh, have you on the episode. Got it, man. Great to be here. Yeah. So just a little backstory on us. We got introduced in what, 2005, 2006. I think right around the time, and you asked yeah. me to go to Africa with you. That's correct. Do you remember that at lunch meeting? I do. I do. I remember working out in the middle of nowhere, breaking down on the side of the road. You know, the famous, our destination is just over the hill, um, you know, <laughs> and then seven hours later, you wind up where you're supposed to be setting up a tent in the middle of nowhere. And yes, you know, good yeah. times. Yeah, that's one of the things I always loved about Africa was like, it's just over the hill. It's just over the hill. You are lying. <laughs> seven hours later, we are just now over the hill. You you lied the whole seven hours. Yeah, that's it. That, we call that evangelistically speaking. You know, it's just a little <laughs> bit of stretch of the truth. It's not lying. It's just, you know, it's there somewhere. Your prophecy was delayed. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 on its way. Yes. Oh <laughs> man. So we've we've been to Africa together, what, three times? Yes. Yeah. And then you went back afterwards and stayed for a, an extended period. Yes. Um, that was an adventure. Uh so <laughs> what, so one real quick, before we get into like your business, uh, you, sure. for, listen, for everyone listening, uh, Steven is an amazing uh, business owner and we're going to dive into that here in a second, but I wanted to uh, go back and talk about what ever possessed you to take a busload of kids to Kenya. Sure. So um I'll tell you, God birthed a heart for me for missions many years ago. I was, yeah. I was in a conference and in the Lord, it was in late 98, 99, I was in a, a seminar and just God just put this burning desire to travel and, and help where we could. And, um, you know, so for early 2000s, I was traveling and uh, I'd gone to Equatorial Guinea, Africa, I'd done some work in Poland and God began to just fuel this passion of mine. Uh, and I was inherently, it wasn't my passion. It was, it was really his, but it was just kind of coming out. And on the mission field, I'll tell you what really sparked it on the mission field. Um, I saw some missionaries who were waiting on resources whether yeah. that was from an organization, whether it was from a church, whether it was from, you know, whatever, but the, the funds or the resources were delayed. And I'm, I'm, I'm a guy that does not like red tape. I want to, if I can pay for it, yeah. I'll just do it. And so uh, we crafted a, a vehicle, Portico Ministries, a nonprofit to begin to um, gather resources that God had placed in our lives. And that spun out me, of course, leading teams 
uh, and doing it. And we've taken teams as small as three or four. I think the largest one that we took was about 30, 32, something like that. And we've gone from uh, Africa to Europe. And now we, the last almost decade, we've been down in uh, Central America and Honduras. And just like getting resources from people and injecting them right to the mission field. No red tape, 100% of the funds that come in go right out. And, wow. you know, I feel like God's, God's really honored it and blessed it. So, so I don't know to, if it was my crazy idea as much as his, Yeah, but I'm, 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 I'm along for the ride. Yeah. We're all about those God, God ideas that are crazy. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So you're still currently doing mission work with Portico Ministries, right? That is correct. Correct. You know, take a big pause for COVID yeah. uh, and all that. The last two years has been nuts. I was in Honduras in February of 20, um, two weeks before the world shut down. You yeah. know, we were, uh, you know, it was, it was like this time we were kind of like, do we go? Do we not go? Uh, it was in it was in California and Seattle at this time and trying to make that decision when you're taking a group of 10, 15 people, doctors, nurses, dentists, we were, we were organized with a trip. And so I think we were there like back half of February 2020. Okay. So that was like February 18th through the 25th, something like that. Yeah. That was, that was right and around then, that time that, uh, Everyone was like, uh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Yeah, we were totally unaware. We were like, man, for the for the kingdom, let's go. You know, yeah. God will take care of us. And and then two weeks after we get back, the whole world shut down. And and I had a buddy that had traveled um, and he and his team got stuck in Honduras wow. for like a week uh, in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, it was just it was nuts. So I'm glad we came home, but I haven't traveled since then. But, yes, uh, I'm still engaged with them, still sending resources. Um, and I don't know how much time we'll have to talk about it, but we've we're creating systems now to help these ministries be self-sufficient wow. uh, by, by two things that you and I love, uh, which is coffee and more coffee. Yeah. Uh, so we've actually planted coffee. coffee, coffee right um, yeah. Yeah. Coffee. I mean, it's got to <laughs> be in here. So uh, we've planted uh, probably five acres worth of coffee trees wow. three and a half years ago. So we're starting to get our first crop next year. We should really do well. And we actually have a buyer that's talking about buying thousands of pounds that come out of the mountains of Honduras, all to fund the orphanage and the churches and the homes that we built for widows. So it's wow. really cool. That's awesome. Real quick, where can uh, people find you find that ministry online so they can support it? Uh, so, um, I'll have to get back with you on that. If you know me, like, you know, I'm not a big, like, I, I'm not a big pusher of what I do. Yeah. Uh, I would say get in contact with you or, or have them contact yeah. me. I can, I can have them follow, uh, the coffee people. We're still working out the, um, the trademarks and all that kind of stuff about okay. getting coffee landed here in the States, but that is in the works. Okay. Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes. So people, um, have access to all that. Awesome. Um, so let's go in, let's dive into um, like your business journey. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, where that started. I know it started for you at a pretty early age, getting into yeah. sales and, and all that stuff. So talk a little bit about that and kind of how you've transitioned into what you're doing now. Awesome. Awesome. So when I graduated high school, I started working at a real estate company. Um 
life had just led me there. I was answering phones and filing papers. Wow. I mean, that sounds like the most phenomenal job for an 18 year old. Right. So uh, I was going to school. Uh, I was doing some ministry on the side. Uh, I was part-time youth pastoring. Uh, and in that process, I went ahead and got my real estate license. The people that I was working for at the time challenged me and said, Hey, look, why don't you go ahead and do this? we think it'll be a really good opportunity for you. So I did. And, and being young, I tell this to all of my agents now, but uh, I was that hotshot kid who didn't think that you needed to study to like pass. <laughs> like life was more about the fun than it was yeah. about the, the learning. And so when I started, I failed my real estate test three times. Like, you know, that's, and that's out there. I don't, I tell all my agents that like, because I thought I was a hot shot and I didn't, I wasn't paying attention. I thought I could just wing it and, you know, just skate on by wrong answer. So fast forward a few years, a few years later, like we're doing real estate. I were doing some ministry uh, in, in Southeast Texas. Like it was, God had, had definitely given us a great opportunity to be juggling all of those. Yeah. And um, somewhere about 2008, and again, I'm hitting some real big high notes. 2008, um, the guy that I used to work for in real estate, we had a phone conversation and he said, hey, come by when you can. I want to visit with you. So I come by and he says, hey, look, I want to get out of the business. He'd been in it for like 40 years. Um, he said, if you'll go get your broker's license, you know, we'll we'll work something out. And so, man, I was I was so excited. I didn't even know what that meant. Yeah what it meant was a whole lot more studying. Right. And, and I didn't need to fail this one three times. So I actually studied, I did over 600 hours of real estate within nine months. Like I buttoned down and I wow. really drove into, to what my future could be. And then I had to wait two years. <laughs> I was so frustrated in those two years that I literally tried to go get a job somewhere else in the local refineries. And the lady, the human resource lady, wouldn't hire me. I made it through all the interviews, passed all the tests. And I get to the end of the interview and she shuts her computer and she says, I'm not going to hire you. You need to go and work in real estate because that's all you've talked about for the last two hours. Wow. And I was like, man, I wanted the job that everybody else in Southeast Texas had. Yeah. But God, that, that wasn't what God wanted for me. So I come back to work and I'm, you know, I'm frustrated, right? I'm in this waiting period, which nobody likes. And in that waiting period, the guy walks in and he goes, all right, let's go. March, 2012, we launched country land properties after taking a great heritage of the company that we were with and we're in February 22 now. So next month will be our 10 year anniversary wow. of the company. Like that blows my mind that we've been able to be successful that long. And in that time, uh, beginning from 2010 to 2016, it was just me. I brought my first agent in in 2016 and now the dominoes just keep falling. We've got uh, 18 agents. Uh, I've got three full-time employees. Uh, I mean, God's just been faithful through it all. Wow. That is, do you feel like that that is a, a journey of obedience? I do. I do. Because all along the way, whether I was doing ministry work or nonprofit work or, or serving the local church or running the business, 
All of those fall underneath the same guidelines. I don't have the opportunity to run my business a different way than I do do if I yeah. was running interns or if if I was running something on the mission field. You have to all of them come underneath the umbrella. None of them skirt out of God's provision. So that that's that's been my motto. Like there's no way that I could run my business differently than I run my family, than I run uh, a worship set, than I run anything. Like it all falls underneath the same guidelines. And when you do that, it commands the blessing. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. One of the things that I've been really diving into is, is the power of obedience, of, Mm -hmm. of being obedient to the, to the dreams and the things that God's called you to and being faithful to that. And then, but also taking a look at like, what happens if, if we're not obedient, like what's the domino effect that happens when we're, when we're not obedient and not necessarily focusing on, on that part, but like, yeah, diving a little bit into it so you can see the consequences and, you know, you know, the, 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 the big one is like, what if Jesus wasn't obedient? What would have happened if he decided in the garden that night that he wasn't too much, it was too much. He wasn't going to do it. What would have happened? And um, we're so grateful that he he didn't. Right. Um, So I think like being obedient to the call is, is super important. And I know like you being in ministry, you starting in a business and, and being frustrated, but yet still powering through and believing in the vision, being obedient has, like you said, led you to where you are today, 18, uh, 18 agents, three full-time employees. And um, I think that's just a, a testimony to, to that obedience. And, and I feel, I feel like I could visualize you sitting in that in that room with that lady and she just shut her computer and be like, no, no, you need to go be obedient to what God's called you to. Yeah. Um, yeah. And talk about talk about like doors slamming in your face. I mean, I was I was so done. I was so ready to give in. Yeah. And just surrender. And and look, if I if I would have done that, I wouldn't be able to travel when I want to. I wouldn't be able to be creative. I wouldn't be I would have just facilitated somebody else's vision and that wasn't what God had for me. And so I'm so glad I, I could tell you her name, but I don't want to put her on blast. But I, I remember her just closing the laptop and being like, get out of here. you got to get it. You're not you're not working here. Frustrating, but I'm a very happy frustrated. I was so thankful for for people that bold to just call us yes. on our on our stuff and be like, no, uh-uh. <laughs> right. Like yep, you're, you're not you know, doing that. You're not doing that. Uh, right. That's so awesome. So. Would you give the listeners an idea of some of the things that you feel like you've implemented in your growth to scale Mm -hmm. from just being you in 2016? You said 2016 is when you kind of added that first, that first person. So just being you, give us an idea of like some of the things that the, you know, it could be the top three, top five things that you feel like you've done really well to steward what you had so that you can get to where you're at today. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. So I think the first one is uh, I had to I had to realize that I'd been doing real estate a long time by myself, that if I wanted this thing to grow, I had to delegate. And like 
That's the number one thing. Like if you want to grow, you got to realize that you've got to be able to give things away and be okay if they aren't exactly like you would do it. There's a reason it's not exactly like you would do it because they're not you. So I didn't need two Stevens. I needed a band of people that could balance me out and say, hey, you're way out in left field right now. Come on back home or I'm going to run to left field. You stay at home and you're not going to be as tired as you used to be because we've got more people doing more things. So I think the first thing is, is as you decide to grow, you have to bring in people. And when you bring those people in, there's a process that um, you have to go through of understanding of getting the right people on the bus. Uh, when, when you, when you, it's not just anybody that could come in and say, okay, get your real estate license. Now I want you to go, I want you to go sell 20 houses this year. And they look at you and they go, uh, I thought you were going to do that. And you were going to tell me all of that. So yeah. the first step I think is you got to get the right people on the bus. You got to get the people that are motivated, that are supportive, that are driven, whatever your main points are. It, it, it forced me to create some core values for the company um, about how we see value in people, how we believe in integrity, how we believe in efficiency, how we believe in knowledge, how we believe in those things that really make this company what it is. And as we began to grow and get those people on the bus, I gotta be honest, like a couple of times I missed it and I got some of the, some, some people that didn't need to be on the bus, they weren't wrong. Yeah. It was just, as we were growing, our visions may not have been totally aligned as, as maybe I thought they were. And so maybe some of those people got off the bus through the journey uh, and it hurt at time. And, and, you know, cause you want the best for people. So getting, gaining delegation uh, means getting, getting the right people on the bus who really can support get behind what we do here. Um, there's a lot of different great real estate companies in our area and across the world. And every single one of them does it differently. Yeah. Whether it's a franchise, whether it's a grassroots movement of an independent company, which we are, um, you know, you look at it and you say, they may, they may want to go work for somebody else and it works for them. Or they may be at another company and want to come here because the, the value that they have more lines with what we do. So getting the right people on the bus is really important and delegating um, job requirements is super important. And then I think number two, you got to educate people. You got to tell people the why behind the what. If yeah. I come up to you and I say, Josh, I need you to go and give me um, a contract and, and I want to see it. And, and I want, I want you to make sure that it's filled out correctly. You would look at me and say, I have no idea what you're talking about on that <laughs> one to four residential contract. And that's okay. It's my job to tell you the why that's that's built in and the and the and the continual obligations that are with that contract between buyer and seller. And so we have spent countless hours of investing into educating our agents about what they do and the why behind what they do. You know, we're not just saying, hey, you need to put this in this blank just because it's let's do it this way. And here's why. And through that, um, one of my younger agents, Landon, he works really close with me. He's been able to take some some possibly some agents that are more experienced in this industry and have more time in it and highlight certain things that they were doing on the contract and give them the why 
about like, hey, it, this needs to change, not because I just want it to be, but here's why. So the why behind the what is really, really, really huge. So so getting the right people on the bus is number one. Number two, you know, education is really, really huge. And then I think number number three is understanding culture. The culture that I have is one that like says, if we don't have it, let's go create it. Yeah. And I brought people in that are around me. Look, I'm not a graphics guy. I I love it. I think that it's phenomenal. And so through that, like I surrounded myself with people that do love that and that that can help with that. And uh, I've got a couple of people that have been with me since the very beginning. We've been through three major logo transitions. We just launched our other one, January 22, um, because it's, it's just morphed with the business. It's been this yeah. whole logo migration of, you know, when I, when I was just selling land, my logo had a bunch of trees in it. And then all of a sudden I started picking up agents who sold houses. And so then it had land and houses in it. Yeah. And now we're, uh, I've got, I've, we work in Southeast Texas. I've got a couple agents that work in the Austin market. That logo needed to be cleaner and sleeker. And it's where it is now with the, the just the C and the P and, yeah. and it's real clean and it's real streamlined. And we did that as launching into our 10 year anniversary. So getting all of those things around you and understanding that culture. Yes. Just yesterday, an agent came up to me and they were like, Hey, I've got this idea. And I'm like, awesome. Let's do it. Let's, let's get, let's get our creative team on it. Let's build that. And she just looked at me and she said, this is awesome that you have this in this company. And she's, she's, she's a new agent with us. And it wasn't like we had to go through 95 approvals. It was like, that's awesome. You're passionate about it. Let's give fire to that and let's move on it. And I love that. I love being creative. Wow. That's a lot. And that's good. I think, (laughs) yeah, I was like, man, this is really good. I feel like you're preaching to me. The three point sermon there. Um, And I I close now with (laughs) raise your hand. If Um, Mm. I, uh, I think there's so much to, to say to um, the idea of just facilitating a place for growth. Mm. And I feel like just in hearing that, you've, you've created this place where it's like, like you said, you're empowering your agents, you're empowering ideas, you're, you're, um, you're empowering your people to do what they're called to do. And I think that's an amazing place to be at. Um, I was just kind of like, man, I'm going to go work for him. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I think that's just awesome. Uh, what are some of the things that, um, that you've encountered over the past, you know, 10 years, of bringing somebody on and just realizing like, okay, these people just aren't really the best fit. You, you kind of touched on that a little bit, but mm-hmm. how do you handle, um, what are kind of like, what are your processes when it comes to bringing someone on board and determining whether they're not a good fit or they're just green and they need some coaching and they need some mentoring. What's your thought, what's your thought process? And like, how do you take somebody through that, that journey? Right. So I, typically before I'll bring on an agent, I'll have one, possibly two, maybe even three interviews with them before I ever even extend the invite to them. Now, that's the learned art. 
Okay. Yeah. I didn't do that in the beginning. Uh, in the beginning, if an agent called me and they said, Hey, I'd like to come work with you. I was like, here, I'm going to send you a broker sponsor. Let's go. And I didn't know <laughs> yeah. anything about them. I didn't know who they were, what they were about. And that may have caused some of the issues that, 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 I'm, that, that maybe we've had. And I want to really call them issues because look, I feel like it's, we've, we've done really well. And, yeah. and, and even in the midst of people not being a good fit, they exited the bus correctly, you know, and I say, get the right people on the bus. That doesn't mean as a believer that if somebody's not a fit, a fit when you're doing 55 down the road, that you all of a sudden uh, just kick them out when you're going 55, yeah. like there is a process to treat people correctly. Um, as a, as a, as a Christian owned business, business owner, yeah. like, so slowing the bus down and helping them get off and helping them get to their next chapter, even though, you know, there's frustration that's there. So through that process, we've built the ability to um, maybe try to uh, develop our process a little bit better about how we intake people. So what I do now is I'll have a couple of interviews with them, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, I'll take that before the team and make sure that nobody else has beef or maybe they've seen something that I haven't. Um, we'll try to just kind of weigh out the options. Uh, I'll have them do an assessment um, that just that tries to figure out what do they really want out of everything. That assessment also includes like where their knowledge is on contracts. So I'm not wasting my time. Uh, on the basics if they're a little bit more experienced or if they need that initial instruction, then I know where to start with them. So we created this uh, onboarding uh, process that's that's probably like 25, 30 pages long that deals with contract scenarios, uh, agent individuality, what are their expectations? If they want to make X number of dollars, this is how many houses you got to sell wow. or properties that you need to sell. So we're, we're trying to create some realistic expectations. And then we're in their ear every day. Like I talk a lot on the phone. I feel like uh, as a broker, <laughs> that's what most brokers probably do a lot yeah. of. I, I am constantly on the phone with my team um, because I believe in them and I want them to know that if they have a question, um, that if I don't have the answer, I'll go find it. And creating a safe place, and we talked about this, creating just a safe place for them to learn, for yeah. them to grow, to hit the bumpers, and but not make mistakes. Because uh, sometimes people are like, well, you just need to get out there and go make the mistakes on your own. I'm like, I totally disagree with that. I feel like the people that are in charge should really be the people that are stepping up and saying, if you have a problem, bring it to me and let's Let's give you the why behind the what so we don't have to cross this again. And then in the future, they know how to respond rather than coming back to me and saying, hey, I got this problem again. What did you tell me to do? They've been a part of the solution rather than just part of getting through the problem. Wow. Man, I feel like we could just end it there, but we're not. That's so go. good, right? Um, I feel I feel like there was you know I there was a time I worked for Apple uh, in the retail space, and I feel like they did a really good job of that as well. They they would show you what you needed to do, but then they would follow up with, "This is why we do what we do," and a big part of what Apple does, and I would imagine it's a big part of kind of like what you do and why you explain it that way, is because at the end of the day it's about the customer. It's about the Correct. experience that the customer is having not only in the store, 
uh, we could pay, you could say like, it's not only the experience that you're, it, it's about the, the experience that the customer is having with the agent, but it's also mm-hmm. about the experience with the product and what, what they get out of that, out of that process of getting to that product, getting to the home or whatever. And I feel like what you're doing is you're teaching your agents and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'd probably just be speculating here, but um, is that this is why you do it because the, the end result is really the, the meat of what's going on. Like what, like how your customer is experiencing you, how they're experiencing the agency and how they're experiencing their final product. Is that a little bit of the vision and the goal behind of what, and you know, what you take your agents through? Absolutely. Absolutely. So anytime that you're in a, a company, especially like when you're the, the owner, you want people, you want your vision for the company to, to be uh, ingrained in them. You want them to say, Hey, I want to take those core values. And if I'm working for this company, I want to push those values out to the people that I yeah. see. And so, yes, translating that into them um, so that they feel ownership of that. And we have a saying like real estate is about relationships that's really what it is. And they're not just clients. They're not just houses and they're not just people making large financial decisions, possibly the biggest ones of their lives. They are people, they are moms, they are dads, they are siblings, they are parents. And in that we have to be able to treat them with such care so that we're not just a transactional company so that when we're done with them through them buying or selling a house that they're done with us, we want that relationship to continue. This is just a chapter of it, of buying and selling homes. We want to be their real estate people for a long time. Yeah. And even if they don't ever buy a house again, we still want to bring them customer appreciation gifts. We still want to send them emails. We still want to uh, chat with them on Facebook as we see their kids grow up. You know, that that's what relationship is. It's yeah. a journey, not a, not a sprint. That's good. What are some of your core values? Or like, what are your core values? Sure, sure. So I said them them early. I think our our top one is value. Value, it means everybody, I don't care if you're buying a $10,000 piece of property or if you're buying a mansion on a hill, everybody has value. Everybody has value in the company. Everybody has value outside of the company. Number two, that, that we are knowledgeable. We are knowledgeable in what we do that we know our local market enough to be able to help guide people to the next chapter of their life. Number three, that we want to be efficient. We want to be people that are not driving around aimlessly and wasting our time or wasting other people's time. We want to be efficient in what we do. So you've got value, you've got knowledge, you've got efficiency. And then number four is relationship. Uh, we believe that relationship is a big part of what we are and, and what we do here. And then number five is integrity. It's who we are. It's, it's what this company was founded on. So why would we try and do anything else? It's, yeah. it's going to be black. It's going to be white. It's going to be right. Or it's going to be wrong. No gray areas here. Wow. That's awesome. What is some of the, the big visions that you have for the future of country land properties? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think, um, I think, I think sometimes, you know, if we talk about vision statement and, and see that larger picture, I always said, like, 
if I, if I had, there's no way I made these wrong statements. All right, let me back up. I would say there's no way I can take on 10 agents because I couldn't see that from where I was. Wow. And when I hit 10 agents, God, I, I created a place in my heart where God was able to grow me as a leader mm. so that I could facilitate all those 10. And then, then we started growing again. I was like, man, there's, there's no way I can do 15. I just don't have the time. And all of a sudden I've got 15 or I've got 16 and now we've got 18 and I've got employees. And I kind of stopped saying that of like, well, I yeah. could do, here's where I'd like to be. Um, I, here's what I, here's what I do know every day I wake up and I say, God, this business is yours. Help me be the best broker. Help me be the best husband. Help me be the best dad that I can be today so that everybody that's in my life feels like they won today. Wow. And about two years ago, I started saying that. And so while, while I am invested in today, of course, I've got dreams. Mm-hmm. Would I love for country land to be all across the state of Texas? Yes, but that's not my goal because my goal is to stay invested in the people that God has given me. And wow. if I can do that, if I can steward those well, then he'll add to it as he sees fit. And if it goes up or it goes down, I believe my motto will still be the same. Like, Lord, let me wake up today. Be thankful. Help me to be the best husband. Help me to be the best broker. Help me to be the best dad that I can be. Well, I think that plays into um, the power of presence, being present in, in the, the current like situation or, or place that you're in. Yeah. I think so many times in this course, this day and age, we, we get so caught up in, you know, what's next. Mm-hmm. I know for me, yeah. Like what's next, what are we going to do next? And although vision and goals are important, um, I'm, I'm really realizing that goals are super important in this season yeah. of my life, but I still have to maintain that presence. So Absolutely. How, what are some of the challenges that you face over the past 10 years of growing uh, your company to the point that it, that it is and staying present in your family's life? I used to call that balance, but I think I now call it boundaries. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you've done or learned, or, you know, if we can, if you're okay with diving into some of the failures, you know, to get too personal, but what are some, sure. I guess, lessons learned um, that you've learned over the past 10 years? Great. That's a, that's a great, great question because the balance is so um, it's the word that, that you know, I think it, it gives a false sense of security Yeah, because you can have balance, but not be present. Like I can work in the morning or late at night and then I can go home and be with my family, but be on my phone or on my computer. I'm balanced, but I'm not present. So I think yeah. what you just said is really, really huge. In life, I have a lot of a lot of hats that I wear. I have um, I have two or three different businesses that I run. I sit. I'm uh, chairman this year of our board on a credit union um, who has in the last three years been through a rebranding, <laughs> been through a hiring of a CEO, been through a core wow. change, uh, a pandemic, hurricanes, floods, all that, and all of those take time. And you're like, how does this guy have enough time in a day to do well? And I believe that it's it, it comes down to one word uh, and it's being consistent. Wow. If I say to my wife, I'm going to be home at five o'clock. And there's eight thousand things for me to do on my desk. 
I leave them because I told her that I would be home at five o'clock. Uh, or if I said to my daughter, Madison, who's 14 now, I don't know how that, I don't really know how that happened. But uh, if I say, hey, look, tonight when I get home from work, we're going to go up to the music room. We're going to get the guitars out and let's learn this song. I'm telling you, as sure as the day is long, that when I make that commitment to her, somebody's going to call me and say, hey, can I go see this or can we meet? And I have to be consistent in what what I hold to be true and say, I'm sorry, I have an appointment. And that appointment is my family. Uh, It doesn't have to be a money making thing. I learned early on that they deserved as many appointments as I make during the day in the evening times to have my full attention. Wow. I was not that way in the beginning of ministry and life. Uh, It was as if like, if you woke up and you were breathing, you needed to be doing something and you needed to have somebody over, you need to do this. And it was way out of whack. Right. And that's where you get burnout. That's where you get fatigue, all this kind of stuff, because we've been taught. And I said this earlier and I'll dive into it a little bit more. We've been taught that life is a sprint. Right. Mm -hmm. It's it's all about how much money you make, how big is your team? uh, If you're uh, what are you doing? You're not doing enough. So so it's just this constant grind. And it forces us to think of life as a sprint. And I did that for years, man. I was sprinting man. I thought I was killing it. And I look back and there was nobody behind me. I was running a race all by myself and, and I was worn out. I was frustrated. And then I started getting into this rhythm of like living in a consistent life where I woke up and I did the same thing every day. It is so boring, but you know what? (laughs) To me, it's productive. Yeah. I get up at the same time every day. I work out at the same time every day. I read my Bible at the same time every day. I have coffee with my wife at the same time every day. All that happens before I ever come to the office. I don't check my emails. I don't, I don't open my phone until I get here. So, so you have to realize that life is a marathon. Mm. It's not a sprint. It's not a sprint to see if you can stay up till four o'clock every morning and work (laughs) countless hours when people don't care. Yeah. Do what you can do, set realistic expectations, set goals, but don't set them that this has to be done tomorrow and kill yourself for it because the other, whoever you're creating it for doesn't really care. Mm. And I don't mean that in a negative sense, I'm yeah. just being real. Uh, like the, the, the jobs that you've worked, the creative hours that you've spent creating things for other people and you give it to them and they go, cool. And you're like, you have no idea how many hours I've spent, blood, sweat, tears, yeah. you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so I think we have to set this organic realization that life is this big marathon, man. And we've got to, we've got to endure because that's what the Bible talks about is, is, is running that race, mm. not sprinting to the end. It's carrying the cross. And, and we were talking a little bit about obedience and, and the unknown before we hopped on the podcast and like, we don't know what's out in the future. Yeah. And we were talking about Joshua and Caleb when they went in to, into the, into the promised land and they didn't know what they were doing. They were like, yeah, we're, I think we're going to go there and we have no idea what we're doing. So let's go. That's not in any business plan that, that has zero to do yeah. with like 
saying this is how you produce results. That has everything to do with saying, I want to go try something new. Let's go figure this out. And, and they were consistent with their faith as much as we are consistent with um, being um, consistent in our families' lives, being consistent in, in our organizations. And, you know, um, I've, I've set up and I, I think we share the same um, same love is that we bought a travel trailer during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. My family loves it. Okay. I know people that have bought the rig. They've bought, they've bought the travel trailer. They've spent tens of thousands of dollars on it and their families hated it. We (laughs) absolutely love it. Yeah. I'm ready to take mine out. Like, yeah. I I mean, I took it to, I took it to Austin last week. Yeah. And and we've got a big trip planned for the spring, but that's my family time. My, My team knows that there is a certain time of the month that I will take off a few days. And it's not just Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's in the week they know like I'm out of here and they, and, and I hope part of the training that we do with them equips them to know that I don't have to be around for everything. I'm okay with them being confident and them being knowledgeable. Heck I'm okay with them being better than me in real estate. Wow. Why? Because I want that. I want them to go ahead of me. I want them to be better than me. I want them to own their own companies one day and, and kill it and create people in their own companies that, that help serve that vision. But with that, my, my, my family deserves some of that time as well. And so being consistent and, and, and having a schedule that that really exists. I'm sorry, I know it went a lot of different ways with that, but no, the consistency factor is is that I have to be willing to take them and lead them as well. Mm. Like I got to be a good husband, I got to be a good dad, and I got to be a good broker. If I'm excellent at one of those, that means two are lacking. Yeah. And so I want to be good at all of them and be along for the journey rather than being along just for a moment. Wow. Sounds like, I mean, man, dude, you're just bringing the meat today, <clears throat> doing a lot of chewing over here. That sounds like consistency and priorities equals discipline, which discipline equals freedom. Correct. And brain space and mental space to, to be present. Yes. Because you've done, you've done the work of creating all the, the systems or the priorities of discipline, like whatever you want to call it that allows you to know that it's taken care of. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be somewhere or do something because it's taken care of. So therefore I can be present in every moment of my day. That's correct. Where you're good at being a family man, a husband and a a husband and a, a, a father, you're good at being a broker. So therefore when you're being a broker, you know, your family's taken care of. And when you're with your family, You've been good at being a broker, so you know your brokerage is taken care of. That's correct. That allows me to be present. You said yeah. that. That is a hundred percent true. Man, that's awesome. Do you did you write a book on that or a course on that? So some so we can take it. No, this is this is the first time that I ever really talk about it. So you get the first dose of, of awesome. what it is. That's great. Uh, I, I love to read. I love to read. I, and I, excuse me, but like there's no, go for three it. books that, that I'm reading right now. 
Uh, and it talks about tiny changes. I think sometimes we get into like hitting the new year. Let's say January comes and we want to yeah. lose weight or we want to get in shape or we want to do this. And um, Atomic Habits by James Clear is a phenomenal book. It talks about tiny changes. The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, mm. uh, another great book that just says, look, make little bitty changes and these are not these are not things that that happened overnight. These are things that have happened over years, because, like I said before, I have been out of balance and there are seasons of my life that I'll tell my wife, like, look, it's really busy right now. I may not make it home at five. And she's like, I understand. That's OK. There's grace. Right. Because yeah. sometimes things get out of balance. But I, I'm always watching that clock. I'm always trying to be present in what I'm doing, but at the same time, understanding where we need to be, but, but taking and making bite-sized choices. I'm, I'll tell you this on slight changes. I, I've never been a workout kind of guy. I just like, I know you've done CrossFit yeah. and like, that's, that's awesome. Uh, I would look at that and be like, that looks painful. I'm not doing it. It is painful. So it, it is. And uh, I'm still saying I'm not doing it because I'm, I'm not, I'm just, I'm glad you love it. Uh, but I, I created some scenarios in my own life where, you know, I, I was the infamous guy that bought a treadmill and I was going to get on it. And I actually did. And for a couple of years now, every morning, that's what I go and do. There are mornings that I wake up that I do not want to go to the to the workout room and lift weights and get on the treadmill and do all the things that I do. But I started doing that like five minutes a day and said, all right, I'm going to do it for five minutes today. And then I yeah. built on that. And and a lot of times we're like, man, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to work out and you and you work out. And then for the next week, you can't move. Mm -hmm. because you thought working out was a sprint, not a marathon. And so I think that there's a lot of meat in that statement. Like if people will stop living in the sprint and want the instant results that society demands from us and just says, look, yeah. this is how I'm going to live my life. Even if it's not popular, I'm going to be here for the long haul and I'll see you someday soon and live in a marathon mentality. Yeah. I feel like that, having that mindset, that marathon mindset allows you the, and I talked about this earlier, but mental space to make those moments that you are in quality moments and not fleeting yeah. moments. Because if you are going in a sprint, it's a, it's a quick, it's a quick moment. It's done. It's over with. And you've, you've basically missed all of the, the memory making moments, right? Because you've just blown right. past. Right. And, uh, and I, I'll do like the idea of the slight edge. I read the slight edge um, back in 2012, I believe. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And I don't know how much of that I actually retained because I'm looking back over the past 10 years and wondering like, man, did I, I think I did. I just didn't do it intentionally. Um, sure. What are some of the things that, and you've kind of talked about this already, but um, what are some of the things in your business that you've done intentionally and actually seen the fruit of it, of that intentionality? Great. Uh, this one's going to sound really crazy, uh, <laughs> but I'll just give you one. Cause I want, I, I like to, I like, I like to laugh. And so in the process of being a broker, I look at all the files because the obligation ultimately falls to me. Yeah. 
So in looking through those files, sometimes there would be maybe a missing signature or something that just was missed, right? We're all mm -hmm. human. We miss things. But it was chewing up a lot of my time. And so I tried to figure out a way to like reward good behavior and not punish bad behavior. Wow. Right. So I created I created this uh, pseudo character. His name is Judge Daryl. OK, Judge I'm going to see if right. I can uh, Judge Daryl this. Let me see if I can get this up here. This is Judge Daryl. Ah. You see that? <laughs> yeah. OK, that's, that's so it's a back agent we trust. Right. That's a five dollar bill. So I created a, a reward system that the better the file was when it got to me, the more of these what we call bucks they could get. And so they can turn these in. And so it created this system like they wanted to look at their files better before I saw because the, the better their files are, the more reward points they get right we yeah. all love the the chase cards for one reason we love the capital one cards we love the american express why because they give you rewards if you use them yeah and so i, I built this in as a as kind of a um a pseudo character that that was helping me because if it was bogging me down with all these questions that I had to ask about, what about this signature? Or what about this document? Or what about this over here? And all of a sudden, it started making my life easier. And I was willing to pay to make that happen. Because it was, it, it, it's a lot of fun. We talk about it. And now all of a sudden, Judge Daryl is the bad guy, not me. So I'm still <laughs> the guy that they like. Judge Daryl is the one that's bringing the, you know, yeah. the gavel down. And in that, then I give out a, a gavel award. I get a gavel made every year that's got their name inscribed on it for whoever does the best. So who doesn't love a good, healthy competition? And so it's you build those little bitty things in, and I just created it on the fly. Like I just thought, well, what if we could do this? And it's worked really well for me and for our team. Wow. That sounds like the Dundies. Are you familiar yes, with the Dundies? There you go. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, I've actually thought about implementing that into one of the businesses that I'm part of. Uh, and yeah, the Dundies, that's a, that's a really cool. So what are, I mean, what are some of the rewards that they like? What are some of the things that they can actually bring back and get? Sure. So they can cash those in for, uh, you know, Cokes, candy bars. Okay. They can cash it in for cash, actual cash, where I go and get a, a $50 Visa gift card. They can take it and use it for some of their business expenses that they have to pay for real estate. It, it has That's actual cool. cash value. That's awesome. I was yeah. going to ask you, uh, what are some of the things that you do to set yourself apart from all the other brokerages in the area? But that that sounds like that was it. Well, I, you know, I think that, um, like I said before, I don't, I don't ever want to be a person that comes on and say that I do it better than another brokerage yeah. in the area. It's we, everybody has a thing that they do, and it doesn't make it right or wrong. And I think I learned this through the pandemic because there was so much controversy between vaccine, non-vaccine, mask, no mask, uh, shut the world down, don't shut the world down, that we got more interested in dividing everybody than we did pulling them together. Right. And whether I learned a valuable lesson, whether you believe on this side or on this side, everybody matters. Yeah. I don't care if you believe in masks or not masks, or if you think that uh, COVID is real or not. Like, okay, 
I'm not going to debate that with you. I'm going to love you because that's what Christ called us to do. I'm not going to let the situation drive a wedge between what the gospel was all about. Jesus never drove wedges. He sat down at the table. He reclined. He visited with the saint and with the sinner, and yeah. he loved people. And if we would serve more than we wanted to be right, we'd be in a much better position. Wow. What are some of the things, man, I feel like I need to move on, but I don't want to move on. That is so good. <laughs> that, is, that is so good. What are some of the things that you would tell somebody that wanted to get into real estate? Um, I, and I was, as you were talking earlier, I was thinking about, man, I, I'm going to regret the day that I have to make a decision on buying a house. Because I know so many realtors. I'm friends with sure. so many realtors. I'm going to have to make a choice. Like, like who am I going to choose? Uh, but right. that's, that's another topic. But what are some of the advice advices that you would give? Um, I don't even know if I said that right. What is the advice that you would give to somebody who's wanting to get into real estate? Yeah, um, I think it's a great career. I think people, I think you need to come in with some really authentic and real um, expectations that I, I think sometimes people want to get their license and they're like, I am going to set the world on fire yeah. and they get their license and they expect their phone to just start ringing. Mm. I'm just going to tell you that it doesn't, uh, there is nothing in life that is free. You have to work for everything that you do and you have to lay groundwork. Yeah. Um, I think that there are people that should get into the real estate industry because they are phenomenal at helping people. We should never desire to get into real estate because we want to fatten our bank account. That may be a byproduct of helping people, but if that's your goal, you are going to realize how much money you have to spend to make that money. Uh, so in real estate, you, you've got to set expectations at a correct level. Find a place where you can grow and grow well. That's what I mean. That's a big one. Getting the, getting yeah. the right people on the bus. They're different, different strokes for different folks. And I totally get that. Um, but as a new agent, you need there's so much that you have to learn that you don't get in in the, the training. So you're learning it on the job and mm. find a place where you can grow. Find some people that you identify with that are a safe place and, and cultivate that. And in year two, year three. Um, that's when personally I've really started to see agents really flourish is not in the first year. They may do well, but they really start getting a grasp on it in year two, year three and on. And I've been able to see that. I've got some agents celebrating five years, four years, three yeah. years, and they really seem to be hitting their stride uh, in who they are. So, yeah, get into it. But realize that just because. Um, just because you've seen it on Zillow and you think that it's a great price and a great industry, research it because it is, it is a grind. There's a lot of ups and downs. We call it the real estate roller coaster. Yeah. I want to talk about one more thing and then I want to close out with two questions. Okay. Where do you see the real estate market going in the next two years? Holy cow. Right. All right. So, all right. Is that, is that I, the question we're doing? I, yeah. Right now? I, I assume that there are some people listening uh, that want to know like what to expect in the next two years yeah. in, in the market. So, so the feds are predicting that interest rates are going to go up when interest rates go up, a person's buying power goes down. Like, let's just say that with lower interest rates, you could afford a $200,000 house now. 
Okay. Yeah. As the interest rates go up, your buying power is going to go down, which means you will now only maybe be able to buy a hundred and eighty thousand dollar house. And again, those I'm not I'm not trying to I'm just using those numbers as a yeah. as a as a bargaining chip to to try to give some people some uh, some bearings. So I we know that that that's going to continue to go up. We've got to hedge off inflation. The price of goods out there is nuts. Uh, it's got to come down. When that happens, it's going to take a little bit of time for the inventory to build back up because houses are going to sit on the market a little bit longer. So in real estate in trends, we're normally six to eight months behind what's actively going on. Okay. Our market is hot right now. It's We have low inventory. We didn't get there overnight and we're not going to create great inventory overnight. So I think this time next year, the inventory will be better than what it is right now. Okay. But I don't think that we're going into any kind of crisis that we've been in before. There is more cash in the market than I've ever seen. Wow. Buyers, investors, like just throwing cash and investing it into properties. Um, this is not a credit crisis that we've been through before. This is a, we need to hedge off inflation and cool this thing off. Yeah. So I don't think it's, if people are worried about their values tanking, I don't think that that's going to happen. We're going to see a slowdown. Uh, it's going to marginalize, but right now in real estate is a great thing to invest in. It's a tangible asset that can help you in your future. Yeah, I was, um, you know, my wife, she just took the girls to, to a play date and she passed by a house that's for sale um, one street over from us. And I went and looked up real quick what it was going for because we want to start investing in real estate, you know, mm -hmm. and rent it out or, you know, flip it or whatever. Sure. And I was like, I looked at the price and I was like, mm, that's not too bad. Um, it's like, okay, well, what do I do next? Right. Like, what's the next step? Yeah. And, and it would be our first ever if, if we did it, you know, if, but we have yeah. thought about real estate investing and, and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. so one more question before we go into the last yeah. two, what, what are some of the things that you would suggest to somebody, someone like me, who's thinking about getting into real estate investing, but doesn't know where to start? Right. Right. So I think I think one of the first steps that you got to figure out is if you find a property, it's just like buying a house, whether it's an investment property or a real person, you got to figure out if you can pay for it. So you need to get in touch with a lender and try to get what they call a pre-qualification. Um, it, it'll kind of understand because there's no sense in looking at a $300,000 house if you can only afford a $200,000 house. Yeah. You're only setting yourself up to be disappointed. So if you can qualify for it, Understand that real estate is a risk, but it's a really good one. In, in, in our early years, I would highly suggest like investing into a point to where somebody else is paying for your future. Put a renter in there, let yeah. them rent and pay the mortgage and pay for your future. So whenever it's paid off, that the quicker you can do that, the quicker it turns into positive cash flow. So I think the first step, once you kind of find an area or a, uh, an avenue that you choose, go get with a lender, figure out what your buying power is, and then kind of proceed from there. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So the last two questions I've got for you, why do you do what you do? Why do I do what I do? Yeah. Uh, because I absolutely love it. I wake up every day with a driving passion to help people. Okay. I think that that's at the yeah. core, whether they are in our brokerage, in our industry, on the side of the street, in the local church, on the mission field, the ultimate goal is to help people. 
And they don't need another sermon. They need to see fruit that God called us to Mm. produce. And so the Bible says produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And so that's what I want to do. I want to be somebody in the community that people come to and say, man, I don't know what it is about you, but, but do you have an answer for this? That is the place that I want to be at. I just want to help people. That's awesome. Last question is what does legacy mean to you? Legacy means that we've paved a way made a a trail that wasn't there before so that the generation behind us has an Mm. easier time to get into their future. Wow. Man, so good. That's so good. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for being on this, uh, this episode with me. I've had a phenomenal time and I have a lot to chew on and I know people listening are going to really enjoy this, this, you know, this episode and you've you've provided so much value and wisdom that I feel like um, we can take this and start implementing some things into our life to be more present and know how to trudge forward and creating slight changes in our in our everyday life to to just have a better quality of life. So thank you so much for uh, joining me today. I really appreciate the time and I'm excited to see uh, where you're headed in the next 10 years. Man, I appreciate it, Josh. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's about that marathon mentality. It's about thinking long-term yeah. and, uh, and creating the framework for it, man. I really appreciate what you're doing. Thanks. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share with a friend and be sure to subscribe on your favorite streaming app. You can find us at 414creative.com and on Instagram at 414creativestudios. Thank you for being here. It was an honor to spend this time with you. I hope you were inspired. Now go out and create your legacy.